Good morning from Northeast by Midwest. My name is Jonathan Jones. You ready for the weekend? TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, right? The weekend's here. Boy, the weeks seem to fly by sometimes, and the weekend's even faster, don't they? <laughs> At least it sure feels like that to me. My gracious. So, today, I'd like to talk about Jesus is not the Savior that you want. He's the Savior you need. Jesus goes out of his way to save you and I. Even in some cases, maybe we want to be saved, maybe we don't. But he saves us in the way that he's going to save us, not the way that we always envision him saving us. Here's what I mean by that. You know, I've been meditating quite a bit lately on Jesus and several of his miracles, but one in particular always mesmerized me, and that is Jesus walking on the water. I mean, seriously, one of you ever seen somebody walk on the water? I know, I know. Some of you are thinking of Evan Almighty. Okay, but that's Hollywood, right? No one walks on the water. It just doesn't happen that way. No one except for Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is doing a variety of things when he's walking on the water. Um, I'll address a couple of them today. But, you know, most importantly, I want you just to be thinking about, and I want to be thinking about the fact that Jesus is the Savior I need and you need. I don't get to redefine Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. He's the son of the living God. Died, buried, rose again, and will return. And so, you know, in, when, when you think of this particular miracle, Luke does not seem to address it. Of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic or the similar Gospels because most of their information is very similar. A lot of it's very repetitive. Not all of it. There's uniqueness to each Gospel, There's reasons why each gospel was written. For instance, Matthew is writing uh, and presenting Jesus as the king. Mark is presenting Jesus as the servant. Luke is presenting Jesus as a man. And John will present Jesus as God. So each one has a different purpose. But a lot of their information of the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is similar. Except for one of the instances is the feeding of the 5,000. And what follows that? Uh, Matthew and Mark both follow it with what happened in real time, and that is Jesus walking on the water. John does the same, but for whatever reason, Luke does not record that. And, you know, probably because each of us, if we all saw uh, the same baseball game or a football game or maybe, uh, God forbid, an accident or whatever it might be, we would all have our own perspective that God gives us because we think different. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, as the Holy Spirit inspires the Word of God, Luke didn't record this. So, to the specific miracle, here's what's happened. Jesus has fed 5,000. You can find this in Matthew chapter 14, in Mark chapter 6, and in John chapter 6. And so Jesus has fed the 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. Incredible miracle. And immediately following that, he sends the disciples in a boat, and they go across the lake. And the Bible will tell us that Um, you know, the the wind was pretty strong and they were making headway very slowly. And so about the fourth watch in the night, which is around 4 a.m. So this has been a long time. Jesus has been praying the whole time. And it's interesting, each gospel kind of gives us a little different flavor of what happened. Matthew will tell us that as Jesus is walking across the water, that they think he's a ghost. And Mark will reiterate the same thing as 
John will in, in a sense as well. I mean, they've never seen anybody walk across the water. I mean, who has, right? And so he shows up and they think it's a ghost. They are freaked right out. They're scared to death. And, and it's interesting, you know, Jesus says, look, the, the typical, we are supposed to fear God and have a healthy fear for him. But whenever God does not want us to be afraid, he'll say, don't be afraid. Like he'll do that to Mary or Zacharias or others. And so Jesus says, hey, look, don't be afraid. Which, I don't know about you, that probably make me all the more scared. But um, then Matthew will tell us that Peter gets out of the boat. And, and Peter starts to walk on water. And it will eventually sink when he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And so there's a variety of lessons there. You know, for us, if we take our eyes off of Christ, we're going to fail, right? No doubt about it. <clears throat> the gospel I'd like to focus on, though, a little more in depth is the book of Mark. Mark will tell us a couple of things. Now, as we understand, Mark gets his information from the apostle Peter. So this is actually kind of Peter's own story. Interestingly enough, Peter does not address the walking on the water. I'm guessing for a couple of reasons. One, he doesn't want to be the center of attention. And two, I mean, that's not exactly what any one of us would want told about ourselves, that we had a chance, we started to succeed, and then things went south. We failed. What Peter does tell us, though, through Mark, as Mark pens the gospel for us, is the fact that the disciples are afraid and Jesus uh, gets in the boat. But what's interesting is uh, Peter will tell us, or Mark does as he pens it, that Jesus had planned not to stop, that he was just passing along. He'd seen they were struggling, and he was going to let them continue to struggle. He was going to continue to go to the other side. And, and I think this is the one that grabs me the most, and it reminds me of why Jesus came. He came to seek and save the lost. And it's a great reminder that Jesus' schedule, he'd been praying all night. He's probably beat. He's probably dead tired. He wants to get to the other side. He's God. He could have just snapped his fingers, right? You know, boom, 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 and he's on the other side. But he decides to walk across the water, and he walks close enough so that the disciples know he's there. Again, I think reminding them, proving to them that he is God, because some of them, maybe all, still weren't there yet. In fact, Mark will tell us at the end they had hard hearts. So it's interesting that he's, he's preparing to go to the other side, and it reminds us of the fact that Jesus will change his schedule to minister to people. What a beautiful and wonderful example. The Apostle Paul will tell us that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped in the book of Philippians chapter 2, but that he made himself a servant and like us, and because of that, he is exalted above every name, that at every Every, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is God to the glory of God the Father. So interesting, isn't it, that Jesus changes his schedule. It really, I mean, he put on human skin. And this is the incarnation. This is God, the God-man. You know, and, and so what a beautiful picture. The Lord is planning to go to the other side, but stops and spends time with the disciples. Now, there are a variety of miracles that happen in this particular uh, set here in Mark chapter 6, John 6, and Matthew 14. The preceding miracle of feeding 5,000 is pretty amazing. Then, that's the first miracle. The second is Jesus walks on water. I mean, that's pretty impressive. The third is Jesus calms the wind. Uh, John and Mark both tell us that. The fourth 
is Peter walks on the water. I mean, when does that happen? You have two people walking on water at the same time. That's pretty impressive. And then the fifth, and I think maybe this one is the one that gets overlooked the most, is the fact that John will tell us in John 6 that immediately they were on the other side. So, you know, boom, snap of a finger, they're on the other side. Now, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, Jesus could have done that from the very beginning, right? I mean, think about it. He's God. He could have just snapped his fingers and they were automatically on the other side, him and the boat. But he let him go through some tough times. And I think there's a good reminder there for us, those of us that know the Lord and call ourselves Christians, that, you know, the Apostle Paul will tell us in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those that are called according to God's purpose, for those he predestined, those, those he justified, he sanctified, he glorified. In other words, not everything in this life is going to feel good. Not always are we going to understand how it is good. In fact, we might not even perceive that it's good for us or those around us. It might not seem that way at all. And the reality is God allows things to happen in our lives to teach us lessons, for us to learn to trust him. And so I, I think in the Jesus walking on the water, we have a beautiful picture of that. He allows the disciples to sort of fight the wind and the waves for a while, recognizing they can't do this alone. They need him. So he wasn't the savior they wanted, but he was the savior they needed. Finally, he did show up and he did save them from the wind and the waters and he got them to the other side. And that's the reminder for us, isn't it? That Jesus will save us. There's no doubt about it. He'll save us from our sins. He'll save us from our circumstances. He'll save us from, from ourselves. He'll save us from, from our enemies. But the reality is, he may not save us at the moment we want to be saved. He might let us fight those wind and waves for a while. He, he might let some hard things come along our way. But eventually, fully and finally, yes, he will save us. And so I think that's a hopefully a good reminder for you and for me today, no matter what we are going through or what we will go through. <clears throat> to continue as Galatians 6, 9 says, to not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we, faint and not, if we faint not, you know, if we don't stop. And so the point being that we don't always see the end. Uh, sometimes we, we just aren't going to. And so I hope that encouraged you this Friday. I don't know what you went through this week or how this weekend will be or what next week will be for you. But I pray that reminds you that whatever winds and waves you're battling, whatever things are going on in your life, that Jesus is there. He does love you. He does care for you. And he wants to and desires to be your Lord and Savior from sin and from the circumstances and the other things in your life. But friend, he's not going to be the savior that you and I always want him to be. He's going to be the savior we most need. And he knows that better than we do. So I pray that today you run to him with your joys and your pains and your struggles and your challenges. And that you are reminded that he who calms the winds and the waves, who walked on them, who created them, can calm the storms of our soul. For Northeast by Midwest, I am Jonathan Jones. Have a great day and a great weekend.